1: I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your place for news, politics, and culture in Chicago and beyond. What you're hearing right now, that's the music for tinikling. It's a traditional Filipino dance that involves a lot of jumping, bamboo sticks, and even a bit of danger. But for some Chicagoans, tinikling is more than just a dance. It's a way of keeping culture alive outside of the Philippines. To learn more, we are joined in the studio by Ginger Leopoldo, the Executive Director of the Center for Immigrant Resources and Community Arts Pintig, or Circa Pintig. So, Ginger, what is Tanikling? Tell us more.
2: Yes, Tanikling is our national dance of the Philippines, and it is um, with two bamboo poles, or pairs of bamboo poles, and the dancers... um, pretty much dance and move in a rhythmic way in between those poles as they are clapped. And really, the idea of Tinikling is that it mimics the tickling bird, which is a type of a bird that is found in this region in the Philippines that is the Visayas. Ah. Um, and it sort of mimics how they move through the bamboos in like real life.
1: Ah, the way that you're jumping and you're hopping, knees up, right? Yes, In yes. quick motions. Very is aerobic. like the bird. Yes, <laughs> yes.
2: So, you know, tickling is the bird, but when we say tinickling,
1: it's like tickling like. Ah, so like interesting. moving as the bird, yes. Well, last night we spoke with Loyola University student Neil Lagatao, who's a part of a Filipino student led organization called Kapwa. We talked to him about tinikling during their dance practice last oh, night, yeah. um, and I asked him at the time to describe it to me. Here's his version.
3: I guess Indiana Jones movies with all the booby traps, trying to, like, um, inch your way, um, trying not to get your ankles bitten. Um, that's pretty much what tinikling is. You have two large bamboo sticks, usually around eight feet long. They're pretty thick. Um, and you have usually two dancers and two clappers. The two clappers will be hitting in a one, two, three beat, while the dancers will be kind of maneuvering between them. On the third hit, the clappers will smack the bamboo sticks together, and the dancers are going to have to nimbly evade them in hopes that their ankles don't get hit. Yeah, he was really
1: laying it out for me there. What do you make of his Indiana Jones comparison? You know,
3: I had not thought
2: about that, but visually, I guess that is a one way to put it in context.
1: Anything else you know about the history of Tinickling?
2: You know, there's like an a a legend about how during the Spanish colonial period in the Philippines that it was a sort of a form of punishment for those working in the fields that, you know, weren't doing so well. And so, um, you know, that's one of the sort of origins that you might find out there about tnickling. Um The other thing is, you know, we had started a program uh, as part of the TEACH Act, because uh, that's a wonderful thing that's happening in our Illinois public schools. And we had adapted a reader's theater version of um, a piece that was called Juan Tamad and the Tickling Birds. Oh. And this is a story of legendary character, Juan Tamad, which translates to Lazy John, who doesn't really like to do much work. Um, and according to that folklore, he's the one that discovered Tinickling ah. because he uh, was supposed to keep those birds away from the rice fields and decided to use these bamboo poles to do so. And in the end, it became this fun dance that everyone in the town and the village really. Uh, enjoyed.
1: That is super interesting and and I can see those poles being used to keep birds out of the way. Um, Last night we also talked with Capua member Isabel Claudio and uh, this is what she had to say about the dance and its part in Filipino history.
4: It goes back to I think the Spanish colonial era in the Philippines so it has a very long history in the Philippines and it helps kind of Have Filipinos reckon with their colonization and colonial history, but also kind of recognize that they've come so far from that and have their own heritage and history that they can be proud of and reclaiming kind of their culture.
1: So she makes a good point there about, you know, reckoning with colonization. Yeah,
2: this is true. Again, I think uh, tinikling as a dance for Filipinos is one that symbolizes our resilience, but at the same time, how very much we are fun-loving people. And, um, you know, I think just in that dance alone, you can kind of see the journey that we take. um, And it really is something that um, we can cherish um, and be proud of. I mentioned
1: this earlier, Ginger, but tinikling is actually really popular outside of the Philippines, right?
2: Yeah, it is. It's kind of a global thing. Yeah. Um, Why do you think
1: it's as popular as it is?
2: You know, I think there's that physical, like, kind of challenge to it. Um, I know, again, like many schools even has adopted
1: it. Yeah, young students seem to gravitate towards it. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I'll tell you now, It's uh, it's harder than it looks, <laughs> I think.
2: Yes. Again, I think, you know, you've got the rhythm, right? There's this kind of pounding clap. One, two, three. Yep, it's one, two, three. three. And then again, the very aerobic thing of like moving in between those poles. Um, And I think there's something about that physical challenge or physical component of the dance that can appeal uh, to people, especially the young ones who have the stamina.
1: (laughs) Oh, for sure. I was sweating when I was done. Um, So before we dig even deeper, Ginger, describe for those who may not be aware, what the Filipino diaspora is.
2: Yes. So, you know, Filipinos, um, you can find everywhere. Uh, We are at the airports. We are in hospitals. We are in your schools. Um, I personally can speak from my experience. I am what you call a 1.75 generation Filipino American. So I was born in the Philippines, but I came here at the age of five. So I'm kind of like not quite second generation, but really sort of in between sort of. Okay. And so interesting enough, Sasha, is when I grew up here in Chicago, I attended Brenneman Elementary School in the Uptown neighborhood. And I was in the early 80s put in a bilingual program um, with a Mr. Orlino. He was our teacher. Funny how we always remember those names. He was a saxophonist. And so many of the Filipino students already kind of had a handle on the language, on the on English language. Mm-hmm. And so he spent time teaching us the folk dances during our bilingual pullout sessions. Wow. And so it was me in Chicago learning Filipino dance and performing it at assemblies, at the cultural center. Um, and that was one way I was able to sort of keep, um, you know, a bit of my culture. Um, and it was a really great experience. And now that I look back to it, it's like, wow, I, I what a great way to run
1: a bilingual program. Yeah. Well, you know, I um, I asked Isabel last night from that student association at Loyola about, you know, the importance of practicing traditional dances as a way to keep the culture alive. Here's what she said.
4: I think dancing especially, it really involves both your like body and soul and tentacling especially kind of is like unapologetically loud and proud and lets you be authentically um, you and it's very involved and you're dancing with a lot of people like there has to be the dancers between the sticks as well as the clappers so you can't do it by yourself and I think that really represents like community and that's a big um, <laughs> Filipino value so I think Kling really represents that and Dance, especially, and singing. For Filipinos is a big part of our culture.
1: Yeah, she told me that uh, Filipinos love karaoke. Oh yes, yeah, so <laughs> we've got a good friend who wrote his dissertation on that being a port of entry. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I'd love to read it. Uh, so all this talk, Ginger, about tinikling, you know, I had to give it a
3: shot, right? <laughs> how did
1: that go? Well, let's listen to a
3: little bit of how it sounded. Bring it up for the third count because that's when they're going to be clapping. So it's going to be one, two, three. One,
1: two three.
3: You're going to hop in like that. Yeah, just like that. Oh, okay. That is the base. 3 4 five, go. 1 I was not
1: ready? <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of laughing.
2: Good, good. Well, you're <laughs> not here with like a
1: broken ankle or anything, so that's good. No, just a little, a little pain on the, the right side of my back a little bit. I think I, I, think I overdid it. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I'm fine. I'm in one piece.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. You know, one thing growing up uh, when nickling was something that we were doing in school in uptown neighborhood of Chicago, you know, those of our friends that would uh, play double Dutch, for example, mm-hmm. were natural. Exactly.
1: Playing with... And the- I was not very coordinated when it came to double dutch. <laughs> you can let it out. I see you trying to laugh. <laughs> I, I was not very... Co- I mean, just give me one jump rope. I'm good. But, you know, two jump ropes, yeah. two bamboo sticks. I can't do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as a, a Filipino-American ginger, um, I wonder if you feel a, re- a sense of responsibility to continue practicing traditions like tinikling and, and others, Talk about that.
2: Yes, I think, you know, not only about heritage and culture, which are your previous guests were speaking on, yeah. um, but it is about our history, right? It's something that we carry on. And of course, what is it that they say about it? it's often the victors who write history? And in the same place at Jonah Middle School in Chicago uh-huh. is where, as a fifth grader, I read that Filipinos were just these barbarians that needed to be civilized, and there was nothing more about me and my culture and my people. And at that point, growing up as a Filipino living in America, I thought, I don't know if I want to be a Filipino, if that's how we're being represented. Mm. And so how fortunate for me to be part of this community organization that I am now executive director for, because it allowed for the young Filipinos, Filipino-Americans to learn more about that history that we weren't learning in our textbooks, that maybe even our families weren't able to share with us as well. And that's really, I think, important for us to sort of re-indigenize our stories,
1: and kind of really rewrite those narratives. I'm so impressed with how much you learned at school here in Uptown, right, about Filipino culture.
2: Well, maybe with Mr. Orlino, but like I say, those social studies books not Not so really. much.
1: <laughs> Until the Teach Act. Exactly. Until this <laughs> school year. Yes, exactly. Um, so, you know, of course, you've got experience with this dance. Talk more about its impact on you understanding your identity now that you are performing this. Yeah.
2: So, you know, it's interesting because, again, there's something about like culture representing language and food and dance. Um, But also, sometimes that's just the surface, like what really is underneath that you know what it is what is it about the filipino american diaspora or the filipino diaspora that makes us those resilient people those fun loving people mm-hmm. and what it is what is it about the history that our country had gone through from the spanish colonizers to the american um, influence um and so i think that only do we need to value the food the tradition the language the dances the music but also our history. And we need to sort of seek out that history to find some of that truth, because I think that will better have us understand, mm-hmm. you know, where we are and where we're going. Absolutely.
1: When I spoke to Neil last night, he also mentioned having what he actually called an identity crisis.
3: Growing up, I was able to speak some of the language, not all of it. And I had a huge like identity crisis when it came to, um, am I Filipino? Am I American? Can I be both? Can I be neither? Um, And doing stuff like this, having an understanding of um, how the dance works, the history behind it, and being able to teach it to other people, I think kind of um, helps me with my Filipino identity. So I do feel like I have kind of a responsibility to um, practice this and share it with others. So when he
1: said, can I be neither, right, it reminded me of what you just said a moment ago, Ginger, when you talked about finding out that information and thinking, do I even want to be Filipino? The idea of not being Filipino enough or not being American enough, are are a lot of people in the diaspora struggling with that? I believe so. Um, you know, it definitely
2: is a struggle for, for many of us. I mean, again, all of us essentially are yeah. immigrants or have come here from someplace, mm-hmm. and these cultures. And, you know, there are the, all those subcultures as well that we all identify with. Um, you know, one of the things, um, as Neil had mentioned, this identity crisis in high school myself, Lane Tech High School, I'm just throwing out all my public Shout schools out. here. <laughs> um, I was platinum blonde. I was studying German and president of the Polish club. Now, I really embrace (laughs) the diversity that our city has to offer. But at the same time, it's sort of that similar kind of finding the pieces, making the connections, Mm -hmm. exploring and and figuring it all out, you know, for ourselves.
1: Yeah. So how do you feel then hearing the voices of young Filipino Americans talk about Tenikling? It's clear it's really more about more than just dance to them. It
2: it is. And, you know, I got the honor to be one of the judges for the Battle of the Bamboo, which uh, the Filipinos in Alliance, uh, known as FIA, that's the Filipino student group at UIC, Mm -hmm. hosts uh, every year. They're actually celebrating their 20th anniversary of this next year. Nice. And amazing to have all of these Filipino clubs, student organizations gather around like Kapwa, probably preparing already their dances. And even our Lane Tech students, the Filipino club there, um, you know, offer themselves for community events so that they can share the dance and
1: culture. It really is. We've been talking with Ginger Leopoldo, Executive Director of Center for Immigrant Resources and Community Arts Pintig, or Circa Pintig. Thank you so much, Ginger. Thank you. So I want to go out on more music. This is Lemonade by Jeremy Passion, which some Filipino Americans actually consider their own national anthem.
5: She's my sunshine in the rain. My Tylenol when I'm in pain, yeah. Let me tell you what she means to me Like a tall glass of lemonade when it's burning This episode of Reset Someday. was produced by Micah
1: Yason. It was edited by Ethan Schwab. Did you enjoy this journey through Filipino culture? Then subscribe to our podcast. This is just one of countless cultural stories that we've shared on our show. And after you subscribe, leave us a rating. It helps more listeners find us. That's it for reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you tomorrow.
5: And she helps me be a better man. She's so beautiful. Sometimes I stop to close my eyes. She's exactly what I need. She's my smile when I'm feeling blue she's my good night's sleep when the day is through yeah let me tell you what she means to me she's kind of like this kind of like the feeling after your first kiss except that every day she makes me feel like this she's exactly what I